Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Finos Open Source and Finance Podcast. And this week, I'm not your host, Grizz Griswold. In the spirit of open source community, we are actually handing off the podcast hosting duties to one of our friends, Andrew King, who is a principal at sweet to go in Australia. Andrew has worked a lot with some of our members in the APAC region, and uh, he's going to talk with Peter Lees, who is head of solutions and innovation for SUSE um, in the APAC region. Andrew and Peter talk a lot about, um, well, really, what is open source and, and how does it affect financial services uh, from the standpoint of not only a vendor, but also uh, people that have really been involved with helping shape open source in the first place. They talk about the viability of financial services firms using open source in the first place, uh, talk about governance, and also um, how do open source projects really flourish? Um, how do you create community? Um, so hope you enjoy this podcast. Uh, Peter and Andrew, thank you for your time, and uh, we're looking forward to doing this again. And with that, Cue the music. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Andrew King. I'm uh, an individual supporter of Finos, uh, based here in Australia. Uh, I'm delighted to be launching the first of a, what will hopefully be a series of uh, podcasts from uh, originating here from the Asia Pacific region. Uh, in terms of who I am and, and why I'm doing this, um, my, my background, I've had a over 16 year career now uh, to date in the financial technology uh, sector, um, joining what was then uh, startup fintech, I think before the, the terminology fintech was widely used, uh, called market, which is with an I. Uh, so many of you will have heard of market now, IHS market. Uh, I joined that company when there was really uh, just, just over a handful of people uh, in the UK and, and opened up their offices uh, here in Australia um, towards the end of, of 2007. So that's uh, that, that brought me to, to this uh, to this country into this region, um, and was with Market for about thirteen years through the merger with IHS, and and they're soon to be joining the S and P family. So uh, quite a journey for for that for that company. Um, since I left Market, I've I've held roles with uh, other firms that are in the the Finos. Um, uh, group of, of uh, supporters, firms like Symphony, uh, Cosaic, uh, doing some work now with, with Genesis Global. And, and my role uh, today is, is helping uh, offshore fintechs establish themselves from a business development perspective uh, here in the Australian capital markets uh, sector. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Um, again, really, really pleased to to be hosting this podcast this evening. It's actually my first ever podcast, so uh, a bit of a milestone there. Um, and I'm really delighted to be uh, joined this evening 
by Peter Lees. Um, Peter is the APAC Head of Solutions and Innovation for SUSE, uh, who are a gold tier member of Finos uh, and a, a very strong supporter of, uh, of the organization. Um, and Peter, welcome. Uh, really like to start by uh, asking you to, to give us a, a bit of an introduction to your background, um, your role at SUSE and kind of your career journey that, that's brought you to, to where you are today. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, it's great to be here and uh, very, very pleased to be invited to join this first podcast. Um, so, ah, gee, background. I have to reach back a long way into my memory uh, to, to remember where I, I, I came from. It's, it's been 29 years um, since, since I started in the IT industry, uh, actually cleaning printers and, uh, and folding paper at, uh, at Mercantile Mutual, which was a, uh, an insurance company here in, in Australia that subsequently be, became part of the ING group. Um, but since then, uh, I, I've uh, worked through several global uh, uh, vendors, IT vendors, people like Sun Microsystems, uh, NetApp, uh, and then finally came to, to SUSE eight years ago as their uh, uh, chief technologist for the Asia-Pacific region uh, when we were just starting to, to grow into this region again after a bit of a lull. Um, and it's been an interesting ride. Uh, the, the, the company has uh, grown from being a part of a, a, sm a, a small part of another organisation uh, through to becoming a major part of uh, a separate business unit of, of Microfocus and then recently become independent and, and finally uh, actually going through our, our IPO just uh, a few weeks ago on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange. So uh, it's been a very exciting and wild ride since then. Uh, my own career, um, as I said, I started off in very basic uh, operations work, moved into internet development uh, in the, in the mid-90s when it was just starting off here in, in Australia, and then uh, moved into, into uh, enterprise IT uh, and eventually into, into enterprise software. So I'm, I'm the head of, of solutions and innovation for Asia-Pacific region for SUSE, which is essentially our pre-sales arm, so the, the team of, of solution architects and so on, which, which uh, works with our customers uh, and, uh, and helps them find the right solutions for their, for their, uh, their, their, their industry uh, needs. And uh, obviously, you know, SUSE has been uh, an open source uh, participant for as long as I've been in the industry, essentially. So for 29 years, back, uh, back in 1992, they, they first opened their doors. Um, and that's when I was starting to use Linux myself. Uh, so, so SUSE started off as a, a Linux uh, distribution uh, and has uh, grown in that open source infrastructure ever since. So it's great to be part of Finos. Uh, we see this as you know, another, another part of, of our own evolution. Um, to uh, be involved in, in more communities, uh, and hopefully we can we can help give some uh, benefit of our experience in working with open source for over you know almost three decades now, uh, perhaps to to some members of of the community for whom this is new. That's great. Um, thanks, Peter. It's a really interesting background, and uh, thanks again for for joining us. I'm, I'm glad you're getting into the wine. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> That's great. Um, so 
you know, we've talked a few times about how we're going to approach this conversation and, and what we'd like to achieve and, and how, you know, we wanted to break this topic down. And I think what we, we came to was kind of a, an opportunity to use this session to kind of peel back on what open source actually is, because I think there's a little bit of misconception about um, how it can be used, why it's beneficial, um, and, you know, indeed, in, in your case, what, what the benefits have been for your organization. And I think, I hope people are interested in, in that um, and, and kind of peeling back to, to basics and, and really kind of, you know, what, what is open source? What, what are its origins? Where did it come from? And, and, and why is it important um, for, you know, your industry, our industry, the financial, you know, going forward increasingly in, in the financial services space. Um, so I'd like to sort of start there and, and hear your thoughts on, on, on those points. Yeah, so the, the concept of open source has been around for, for a long time now. The, basically, you know, since, since computing and IT started, uh, in, especially in the academic world, as, as new technologies were being developed, uh, there was a great deal of sharing. I mean, it was part of the a academic tradition, obviously, is, is to share knowledge and, and uh, review knowledge and, and so on. Um, and a as a result, a lot of the programs or most of the programs that were used uh, in, in early systems um, and especially in, in early Unix systems uh, were, were freely shared. Uh, amongst uh, participants, researchers, and, uh, and so on. And these could be researchers from, from academia, researchers from, uh, from, from industry, uh, and so on. But the, the, the goal there was really to, to have more than one person, you know, working on problems and, and sharing ideas to, to build up a, a greater whole. And, and that's what the open source industry has really developed into. Uh, open source software in particular is about getting multiple views of, uh, of your problem, of the, the, uh, the, the solution that you're trying to put together um, in order to come up with uh, something which is going to address a wider set of issues and have a, a more complete view. Um, so I mentioned in the introduction that I worked with some microsystems for a while and one of the founders, Bill Joy, uh, is quoted as saying that something along the lines of, you know, at, at any one moment, most of the smart people in the world do not work for your company. And what he was trying to get at there is that, uh, you know, sharing the knowledge and, and being open to, to other ideas and, uh, and a, a collaborative contribution towards in this case, software, uh, is going to get you a better result and going to get you a more effective result than, uh, than trying to do everything yourself. So that, that was the genesis of, of, of open source. And, uh, and as I said, it's, it's turned into quite a movement now where perhaps back in the 80s and 90s, IT companies would, would rely on developing um, proprietary secret source and, and, and using it and, and promoting that to their customers. 
most new innovations now, especially in the in the cloud native computing world, are brought into being as open source projects. Uh, and and it's not just small companies that are that are taking part in this. It's it's the large ones as well. Uh, even Microsoft, who you know twenty years ago was was well known as a, a huge adversary of of Linux, is now a huge contributor into the open source uh, projects um, and and collaborating with with open source companies um, across the world. Yeah, that is, I mean, that's fascinating. And it really shows an evolution of thought and and, uh, and sort of altruism in, in, in the space that is, is quite encouraging. Um, I guess, you know, when we're thinking about financial services and, you know, the IT security, the, the, the way that, you know, software is, is, is heavily picked over as as a you know a solution to be brought into the organization. I mean, how can people sort of trust open source information, and 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 how reliable is it? I mean, is it is it is it dependable? Is is it something that's going to be you know available in in the form that it's in, or or you know the, the way that it's it's intended? 10, 15 years from now, as, as you know, these firms look through the horizon as, as, as software is, is going to be implemented and used within their organizations, how, how, how can firms sort of look at that from a reliability perspective? Yeah, it's a good point. And it's something that, that we often come across as questions. Uh, what is the viability of open source? Is it is it trustworthy? Is it is it something that I can depend upon? Um, and I guess there's the answer to that. Obviously, has several aspects. Um, first of all, just in general, but there's nothing that that makes open source uh, less dependable in terms of longevity compared to commercial uh, software or, or proprietary software. Uh, a, a an open source project that that has uh, a good community behind it will have that longevity. You know, I mentioned Linux uh, just a moment ago. It's been going for 29 years. It's a, it's a very long-lasting open source project. Um, there are others that are even older. Sendmail is, is one that comes immediately to mind. It's been around since the 80s, I think. Um, so so it's, it's quite feasible to have a, a, a long-lasting open source project in the same way that you could have a proprietary uh, a product developed by a company and, and brought to market, uh, and then you find that that company is is acquired by someone else, and the first thing they do is kill off that product. So, so there's there's nothing that 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 makes proprietary software intrinsically more uh, yeah, long long lived, um, and that is in fact one of the great advantages of open source. It can outlive the original developers. It can outlive the original instigators and, and the most successful open source projects are ones that have a, a big community around them uh, that uh, where they, like I said before, they're getting a multiple views and multiple collaborators working on the problem um, and, and have a community that, that sustains uh, an ongoing lifespan uh, and an ongoing um, reliability and dependability for that software. 
Now, the reason why I said that the, this, this question, that the answer to the question is, is a little bit complex is that that's the perfect case where you, where you do have a, a great community. There are some software or software projects which are uh, called open source, but, but really all they are is, is one company working on a project and then making their source code available. To me, that's not really truly open source. I mean, you can see the source code, great. But, but if no one else is working on that source code, you're still, you're still depending on that particular company, that particular organization to continue to develop it. And if they lose interest, if they find there's not a market for it, or if, if for some other reason they change direction, then, then that project dies. With the true open source community, any one individual group or any one individual contributor could, could leave and the project could continue um, without, uh, without any uh, noticeable impact on the, uh, the viability of the project. So when you're looking at open source projects uh, to, to use for yourselves, then, then the first thing to do, and this is what SUSE does, when, when we decide what open source projects to incorporate into our, our solution set, uh, we first look, does it, have, does it have a viable community? Or if, even before that, if we, are, if we look at, at uh, finding a solution uh, or, or bringing a solution to the market, we first look and say, is there already a community there? Or do we need to create a community in order to provide the software or the solution that, that customers are looking for? But that, to us, that, that upstream working, um, that, that community uh, uh, contribution is the most important part of, of being an open source project. So, so for our members, for our listeners here today, um, they have to ask themselves the question, if, they, if they're going to be an open source uh, uh, fintech organization, how is it that they are bringing themselves into that open source world? Have they created a, a community or are they part of a community that is getting not just their own views but views from, from other parties? Um, and is the software that they are relying on in turn, is, does that have a community in order to, to maintain the, the basis for whatever uh, programs or projects they're working on? Yeah, look, that's really interesting. So, you, you know, you, it, the viability of it sort of relies on that crowdsourcing almost aspect where the, the more participants, the, 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 the greater chance it has of, of living and thriving and, and, uh, and, and surviving into old age. How, how, with that, how does the sort of governance around these projects evolve and and sort of where does the buck stop who who owns the project and and maybe everyone that's listening already knows the answers to the, these types of questions and you know I'm a business development person I'm not a technologist but that kind of interests me I mean do, does that get passed is that quite nebulous as as well as this, this sort of crowdsourcing approach or is it one person that that sort of makes decisions about how how the the software you know evolves from a from a sort of governance perspective and we, we did talk about this a little bit and and there's no clear answer but how, how does that work um from a SUSE perspective and and 
ways that it's that you've seen it work uh, optimally? Yeah, it is an interesting question because it, it can go in lots of different directions. That the the governance of the project of a project is is really going to have an impact on um, on its long term viability and and on its um, acceptability in in the market. Um, so there's there's a couple of examples that I could give, or maybe three. Um, so so the first example is Linux itself. So Linux is you know like I said a very long lived uh, open source project and uh, very well known these days, uh, and it started with one one person, uh, Linus Torvalds, who who developed a uh, a version of of Linux essentially that that uh, that would run on a an Intel processor, and uh, Linus has actually you know maintained uh, essentially authority over the kernel. That is the, the the core part of the operating system. Ever since then, uh, he is the gatekeeper to to when a a release happens. But although he's you know, um, uh, has uh, strong opinions about about the way things should be done and, and so on, he doesn't have any particular agenda or commercial agenda. Um, he's not trying to uh, to bend the code or bend the project into a particular commercial direction. Um, and so he's been able to maintain this this position with you know a large group of contributors um, that that he collaborates with and, and that come and go over the years, um, and and he's also backed up by by something called the Linux Foundation, which was a foundation established by some large industry players to be an independent body, an independent owner, if you like, of um, of the uh, the Linux uh, project. So, so there's sort of two answers in that, right? So, so having a foundation like the Linux Foundation is is very important um, in order for a project to be to be successful because it it provides some it provides some logistical uh, support uh, and uh, facilities to to do all the sorts of things that that an organisation needs to do when it's when it's part of this kind of um, uh, world, um, but then. The, the the actual project itself is is managed by uh, by someone who as I said doesn't really have any particular you know, allegiance to a to, to a specific way of doing things um, in terms of trying to bend it to another company's technology um, but a potential counterexample of this and this might be a bit controversial to to, to say out loud but um, the the openstack project uh, which uh, at one point, was you know the largest open source uh, project ever undertaken, uh, an attempt to build uh, a, a generic infrastructure as a service platform. Um, you know, arguably, it, it came to a bit of grief uh, because it was or could be pulled in many directions. You know, as as different sort of corporate influences uh, came and went, it sort of changed and shifted some of the ways that that it was it was being um, uh, it was being uh, used or, or, or the way that it was it was being focused. Um, I think that, I think a lot of that's resolved now, but but certainly um, it didn't help in its in its uh, lifespan, and 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 to to some extent now it's it's arguably become. Um, 
much less relevant as an infrastructure project than uh, than perhaps we thought it was going to be when we, when we first started, you know, uh, ten years ago or so. Um, but but the, this foundation thing is really important, and so and, you know, the third example I want to give is is uh, that of uh, Ranch's Longhorn project, which is a a project to develop a uh, container and cloud native based storage system. Um, so essentially a way for developers to get access to uh, to storage um, facilities really, really easily uh, and really dynamically um, uh, based on top of Kubernetes now. Now this project actually started years ago before Kubernetes even existed as, as a proprietary part of what Rancher was, Rancher was doing. Um, but the whole ethos of, of Rancher, which is now part of, of SUSE, uh, is to work upstream and, and work as part of a community. So, so when they were ready for uh, Longhorn to be you know, released, more or less, it was handed over in its entirety to the Cloud Native Computing Foundation, the CNCF. So it's a CNCF project now. It's the, it's governed by the CNCF and and you know potentially means that that Rancher and now SUSE has uh, could. You know, lose control of that project, but but it's one of these these cases where you kind of have to let go in order for your project to flourish. You know, kind of like parents, you know, you have to let your children go in order to see them truly flourish and 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 have a life uh, beyond what you've immediately guided it. And so this is one of the the kind of uh, uh, you know, conundrums of, of of open source. You know, how do you do that? How do you know when to let go at the right time? And and how do you put the right governing structures in place? And there are some examples that, that I've given there to, to sort of show, you know, where it's worked and where it hasn't. I don't think there is necessarily a hard and fast rule um, or, or a roadmap that you can follow, but, but uh, certainly, you know, being involved in a foundation, and, and maybe this is a role that, that Finos itself uh, might want to take on um, to, to, to be a, a governor or a, or a holding place for uh, projects so that they can have a life beyond um, the initial creation yeah no that is uh that's that's really those are interesting insights and and does kind of i'll let you have a a, a sip of wine but um sort of leads into uh my next question and i do kind of feel like i'm peppering you with questions but uh i feel like you are a uh, a fountain of knowledge on the on, on in this area of uh of information. So, you know, I've worked for a number of different fintech companies. Um, we have talked about the benefits or perhaps the, 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 the non-benefits of, of adopting open source. Um, and, you know, the, the question always comes up, why, why would we do this? Why would we give away our IP? what's in it for, for us. Um, and it's sort of a, you know, a bit of a, a wrestling concept for a, you know, a firm that's, that's trying to sell a product or trying to sell a solution. You know, why would we open source that to the community to, to, you know, rip that off and, and steal our IP basically? What, what I mean, what would be your response to, to that, line of thinking in the, in the context of, of, of the benefits of open source? 
Um, so there's this great line that, that a, a colleague once told me is that, you know, open source is only free if your time is also free. And, and in, in reality, what, what open source lets you do is, uh, as, as an organisation, if you're, if you're developing your own, your own content, what it lets you do is sort of expose your expertise or, or at least advertise your expertise to, to a, a wide audience. Um, I mean, the, the, some, some people sort of equate, you know, open source to being, you know, free, you know, zero cost. Uh, I, can, I can get this for free and I can use it for free and, and so on. And that's, you know, there's, there's an aspect of truth, truth to that. But, but the reality is in the enterprise world, um, when, you, when you're relying on some software, if you're relying on anything in order to, to make it work, you want to have someone you can call in order to, to support that and, and to, to help you help you with integration, help you with, with, uh, with configuration, help you with, with handling troubleshooting, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you know, just to give you an example, um, uh, one of Sousa's uh, products is something called K3S. It's a, it's a lightweight uh, Kubernetes platform, um, which is, uh, can run, you know, it manages containers. It's Kubernetes, it manages containers uh, and can run on uh, individual very small nodes, you know, Raspberry Pis and things like that. Um, we get 20,000 new installations of K3S every week. Now, I can tell you that not everybody is paying for, you know, the software that they're downloading there, right? Um, but the point is that there are the, the, what it's done for us is created such a gigantic market, a gigantic latent demand for the services and expertise that we have. So we produce um, K3S or, you know, the primary, primary sponsors of it. We have, uh, as a result, a, a great deal of, of expertise uh, in that technology um, and then people respond to that, you know, and, and a typical uh, sales approach for us is uh, to find that a customer has already been using our product, whether it's K3S or Rancho or, or even, you know, Susan Linux. Um, they've been using it for a while and then they suddenly find out that it's, it's, it's uh, intrinsic to the way that they're running their business uh, and they need to make sure that it's supported. And they need to make sure that they've got someone they can call if, if something goes wrong. And you know, this, as everyone on this call, I'm sure knows, you know, this is especially true in the in the finance industry. You know, if you don't have support for the the key software that you're using to run your business, then you could find yourself in some sort of regulatory problems as well, right? So, um, to to some extent, you know, giving away giving away that technology creates the business for it, it creates the market for it. Now, obviously, you know, if there's some super secret source that 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 gives you the edge and and if it's exposed, then um then that's going to you know completely destroy the particular business model you have, then 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 yeah, you know, you keep that secret and you find a way of of either uh providing that in um uh in, in some proprietary form. But these days that the most obvious proprietary sort of format to keep things secret is to use uh, some sort of software as a service or, or, or something like that component. Uh, and this is what a lot of organisations are doing, you know, rightly or wrongly, you know, they, they, they uh, create essentially a platform, um, an open source platform that people can use and then, and then provide uh, additional plugins for their sort of premium model 
to uh, provide that sort of instance of expertise, which is which they want to keep as a, a secret part of uh, of their business. Twenty thousand installations. That we, I mean, that to me sort of turns the 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 the, the commercial model of software sales on it on its head i mean you you let people take this for nothing and then you know you, you sell the support and uh, i think some of the australian banks today would have been uh, glad for for the support that they had from their uh, cdn uh, provider uh, i'm sure you saw the news today about um some of the outages that occurred. So support obviously key, but so your Suzy revenue comes from predominantly supporting that freely available uh, K3S solution. So, so Suzy's entire business model is based on supporting um, freely available software. You know, we 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 joke. Uh, amongst ourselves, when when we when we go to well, when we used to go to uh, trade shows, you know, we'd stop people and say, "Would you like to buy some free software?" But but that's essentially what we do, right? So we 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 do, um, you know, we we, we create a uh, uh, you know a package solution with with the right components that that, that people want. Um, but it's all it's all open source. Uh, it's all based on upstream uh, community projects. Uh, and we package and engineer it in a way that, that's going to be the most supportable. And then, yeah, as you say, we we make that available. It, it, people can download any any single one of our software for free. Um, and it's only when they decide that they want to get support for that. And support could be things like you know being able to download and install patches, you know, updates at any time, or it could be um, you know having access to to someone to call. Uh, when people want support, then that's when that's when we they, we take a subscription from them. But that's our that's the entirety of our model. Yeah, that is really fascinating, and and I mean, sort of incredible scale. Uh, so you know, how how do you? I mean, we're getting into a lot of questions about your your business now, but I mean, how do you how do you account for the scale of that in in terms of the support that is potentially required or may potentially be required going forward. I mean, these are huge numbers that that's, that would be very important, obviously. Well, I guess as an open source business that has been around for 20 years, 29 years, um, you know, I think it's fair enough that, that we, we give some insight for, for maybe organizations that are starting off in the open source world. You know, how, how do you do that? How do you maintain that? Um, the way that SUSE does it, uh, and especially, you know, because we work upstream, we, we have a huge community engagement at an engineering level, um, both to both to join existing uh, upstream projects, but also uh, to to found communities. Uh, and when we when we when we create a community, we want to make sure that we we do that in a way that's that's going to have you know people other people join us. Right? We don't want to be a you know creating our own so-called community and then find that we, we're the only ones in the room, patting ourselves on the back for being open source. Um, but what we also do is we essentially create a factory for making software. So, so over, over the last three decades, um, we, we've refined the way that 
that you you build, test, uh, uh, and uh, and produce and package software, uh, put in a lot of automation, uh, and uh, you know, often end up writing a lot of open source tools in order to help us build open source software. Um, and and yeah, that that sort of German engineering uh, is is has been applied uh, in the same way that you might sort of expect them to be made. From, from manufacturing uh, groups as well. So, so we, we make a, a, a factory for making software, code goes in one end and, and, a, and a package solution come out, comes out the other with, with a lot of QA around it. And, um, and then it's a, a dependable, well-known, well-defined, well-scoped uh, uh, solution set that we can then put a very clear boundary around what, what we support and what we don't. Um, and and that's, how, that's how we work. Um, so, and the way you know, one one example of how we do that and make that that, that tool uh, available is is something called the Open Build service. So, um, openbuild.suzu.org is is something that everyone can use to to package their own their own uh, projects. And you know, as as a result, we we have uh, a huge number of of uh, of industry. Um, uh, Customers, you know, so in the, the finance industry, it makes up. I think we're in, um, you know, ninety percent of the top banks in the world, and uh, and all of those sorts of things. And we underpin SAP uh, solutions pretty much everywhere. So uh, it's become a rock solid product because of this this engineering approach. Wow! Yeah, no, that's that is truly fascinating. So just sort of dialing back to open source as a concept more more broadly um, and getting back to kind of the financial services vertical, you know, thinking about a SaaS solution and, and trying to sell that into a bank and, you know, you invariably end up with an IT security review that's 300 pages long and goes through every question that, you know, you can, you can possibly think of. Does that apply to an open source solution? And if so, I mean, who who answers those questions? And 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 how does that sort of due diligence uh, back and forth occur around a, an open source product? Uh, yeah, absolutely, it applies, right? I mean, you know, there's no there's no get out of jail uh, free card. Um, uh, from the regulators to say, oh, it, it's okay if it's open source; it doesn't have to be secure, right? So, and, and it lends to your question before uh, about about security and, and viability and so on. And, and um, one of the questions we often get is: Is open source secure? How can it be secure if the code is is visible? Um, right. To which the answer, you know, if the code is visible, then more people are looking at it <laughs> to see uh, to see what's broken. Now, obviously, there's a lot of code out there, but but it's possible, right? Um, it's much more possible to um, to review open source code than it is to review proprietary code. Um, having said that, you know we still have to step through um, the uh, the hurdles, get FIPS certification, all of those sorts of things, um, and that's where that's where an organisation like like SUSE comes in for 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 fundamental infrastructure software like Linux. Um, it's got to have all those sorts of certifications, and uh, and that's one of the roles we play as a as a distribution provider, as a, as a packager of the software. So, so we, um, uh, as I said, we you know we we use the factory, we build this bundle, 
and then we and then we take that uh, and, and uh, get the certifications that are, that are needed by industry. Uh, so it is a you know a reliable um, uh, product that's up to code and, uh, and covers all the things they need. Um, this is part of what we do. Uh, in, in terms of you know how how other you know Finos members might might go through that that same process. Um, Again, you know, depending on whether you're building everything from scratch or whether you're using components, um, you know, maybe Linux as, as a foundation for for what you're doing. Um, you maybe you know create a container, um, create your application, put it in a container, put that in a base image. If that Linux base image is FIPS compliant and, and SUSE base images are, then then uh, that inherits. Uh, some of that compliance, and it makes it a little easier to 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 get any of the certifications that you might need to do in your project as well. Um, so, yeah, using the ingredients the right way. One of the great things about open source, as I said, it's about sharing ideas, and it's also about you know, gaining ingredients from from different places in order to build up a, a new a new thing. Um, having dependable uh, ingredients is going to be a big an important part of. Uh, making sure that you're, you're building something that is itself secure. Does that answer the question? It, it does. It does. Well, it's it's starting to get late, Peter. Um, I've I've only got a couple more questions left, and, uh, and then we can let you get back to your evening. Um, what time is it there? You're in Adelaide, right? Yeah, it's coming up to ten o'clock. Okay, so nine. we've uh, we've we've got to let you. Uh, We've got to let you get to bed. Um, I guess my last question is really around sort of the, I guess, the benefits for financial services organizations um, in terms of kind of the engineering teams. I mean, does does open source bring kind of an acceleration to the way that they can approach and 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 solve for some of the the complexities that they're they're trying to deal with? Would you say that's one of the clear benefits of, of adopting open source? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, having having that open access into, as I said before, you know, the with um, open source is not just sort of a, a way of producing a one-off thing. It's an opportunity to use lots of ingredients. So, so I mean, with the the um, the, the, the Finos Foundation. Um, you know, as part of the Linux Foundation, you know there, there are already a lot of projects under that governmentship, uh, under that stewardship, and and uh, you know not not just sort of end applications as we might we might call them, but 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 intrinsic um, uh, infrastructure and, and elemental components that you can put together. And I mean that's one of the exciting things about development in general these days that that it's not just writing everything from scratch; it's it's being able to pull on. On pieces of knowledge and and, and components um, that that already exist and are already out there, um, and and you know for 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 organisations, it's it's a great way of of accelerating um, different opinions and different views. Like I said right at the beginning, you know it's 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 interesting that most cloud native solutions now are being made available um, as open source projects regardless of the size of the organization that's that's doing it so small organizations are working in open source large organizations Google Amazon Microsoft are all are all uh, sharing in open source because they all see the benefit in 
uh, in both wide adoption, but also in, in getting a lot of input into, into the process. And the more minds you have working on things, then the more, um, the more uh, sort of uh, positive uh, influences you can have on, on how a solution uh, is developed. Uh, and then, and then you know, you, you, there's an opportunity then to curate that, and that's essentially you know what SUSE does is just to pull together lots of projects, put them into a distribution, uh, and, and make sure they 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 work together. And you know, again, you know, having having a foundation like Finos available, um, and and having those projects available makes it really easy to to rely on on the long term viability uh, over the years. Right, so a bit of a layup question, but um, I mean, what have you seen as the the main benefits of, uh, of gold membership in 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 Finos? Oh, well, we just you know love being part of the community. Is that <laughs> it's just an um, altruistic? No. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's absolutely what we do. No, I mean, yeah, open source is is intrinsic. To the way that that SUSE operates, I mean, we, we call ourselves the open open source uh, company, and uh, and the the way that we see the the industry developing, any industry developing, you know, software, finance, wherever, is is by the open sharing of of ideas and information, and then you know being able to riff on that and, and turn it into something new and interesting and exciting, um, and and. You know, as I said before, you know we, we have a, a long-term uh, involvement with with uh, the finance industry uh, across the world. Um, you know, all the, all the major banks, all the major finance uh, sectors uh, make use of SUSE uh, products, and, um, and 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 so we have a, you know some depth of experience that we can bring to bear, um, and and you know maybe advise. Uh, you know, members on on, uh, on on some aspects of, of the industry and how that intersects with, with open source technology. So, so we're here um, to to offer advice to to um, help with you know bringing um, the open source concepts into this industry, um, and uh, and and also to 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 help contribute to it. So, you know, community for us is is a very important part of what we do. And, that's why we're we're uh, proud to be members uh, of the, the the fintech foundation. Well, look, Peter, um, really appreciate your your time this evening. Um, your insights have been, you know, really fascinating, and and I hope that the way we've approached this topic and and talk. Is is interesting for for some of these uh, these listeners because uh, it's certainly been interesting for me. So, um, once again, thank you. Uh, it's 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 much appreciated. It's our maiden voyage into the APAC uh, uh, podcast for for Finos and uh, hopefully the first of many. But uh, really, really, really appreciate your time, um, and uh, we'll let you we'll let you get on with your night. If uh, if any of you want to find out more about the Finos community, um, please come to the website, finos.org. Um, you can also follow us on, on Twitter or LinkedIn. I'm sure Peter would be happy to connect with you on LinkedIn if you have any follow-up questions. I'm sure he's quite easy to find on, uh, on, on that platform. Um, 
And uh, look, really appreciate everyone joining us uh, for, uh, for this session. Thank you so much. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed the interview between Andrew King and Peter Lees. And we're looking forward to doing that again in the future. And as always, we at Finos want to sincerely thank you for spending time with us and invite you to connect with our community, uh, just as Andrew and Peter have done. Uh, join us at finos.org to find out more about the community. Follow us on Twitter or LinkedIn. Join our Slack channels. And please subscribe to this podcast, the Open Source and Finance Podcast, and rate it five stars. You'd be surprised how it really helps us. Uh, join our mailing list for weekly and bi-weekly updates and newsletters and just get involved in the community. And again, this has been your non-host, Grizz Griswold of Finos. Good day, good night, wherever you are. <laughs>